What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning back into the show. This is Beer and Bullshit number 12 with Ruben Alanese. Ruben is a father, MMA fighter, and athlete. We sat down and we talked about his upbringing as well as culture shocks, movies, and everything else under the sun. We also talk about growth at his gym and how he plans to expand in the near future. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Cheers. Mr. Ruben, what's up, brother? What's up, man? How you doing today? I'm good, bro. I appreciate you uh, having me in your your lovely home, man. And <laughs> thank you for inviting me to the class as well. Of course, you badass. Of course. So how's it going? How's everything? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Getting the gym together. We just got a space. You know, we'll be announcing some more stuff soon as cool. we're getting into that place. The kids' classes are going great. I mean, I'm out of the garage. I think I already got up to 15 kids in my kids' <laughs> class, you know? How are the kids um, doing? Are they man? They're good. I got I got a couple with experience. You know, I got a couple getting ready. You know, they want to compete for sure. They want to go into some state tournaments whenever some of this COVID stuff starts slowing down. And then I also got some kids that are brand new. They look for something to do. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, the biggest kids I get is man. I have a parent come up to me and be like, he has an older brother. He's all into football. He has his sisters into volleyball. Yeah. They're into this and that. And he just. He wants to find something that's his, and yeah. that's the kids that we bring. We, we give them something to do, you know, because uh, like I was saying earlier, jujitsu is is a big mental thing, so a lot of yeah. these smart kids that you see, even the you know my stepson, Jaden, he's far from an athlete, if you want to be honest with you. He's not athletic at all, Yeah, but he's smart, Yeah, so he's able to use his jujitsu, and he beats a lot of kids who are bigger than him, stronger than him, more athletic than him. Yeah, because he's, he's all he, up here. Yeah, huh? it's a mental game. He knows yeah. what to do. I saw kids doing all kind of stuff. I think we age from, I want to say my youngest is about four and a half, and my oldest in my kids' class would probably be about 13, mm. 13, 14. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big range, but, um, yeah. you know, we, we kind of split them up into twos. I have the small ones from, like, four to, like, six. They get to roll together, and from seven and up, they start rolling together, and they have a great time. And uh, my adult class is going pretty good at, kind of same mixture I have a couple guys who competed yeah. I have some coaches under me uh, Tyler Pete and Robbie Thrillkill uh, some killers those guys right there man they're good <laughs> um, so was the idea like um, was this always the idea for you because I mean I know you're a big human man guy. honestly it was but it was never going to happen this fast you know uh, for those who don't know I am a purple belt I am still a purple belt uh, I, I was imagining a few years down the road I get a brown belt open an academy doing my own thing yeah but COVID happened, started shutting gyms down, and uh, honestly, a lot of this equipment I have, uh, I got from when Harvey came, because mm. it had shut our gym down, and I bought a bunch of this equipment, because that same year Harvey came, I was having a state tournament in Louisiana, oh, where okay. in Louisiana, it was in New Orleans, was a tournament, and obviously, they didn't flood during Harvey, so the tournament was still on, so I had to get a bunch of equipment together, I actually had to do the full camp almost by myself. Oh, I was bringing shit. random people in, just like, hey, man, I just need someone to roll with. I ended up winning the tournament. Double golded, both weight classes. Uh, it was a good tournament. Um, yeah, you, you seem pretty sharp on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I can see, uh, you know, you guys just completely transformed the, the garage. How long was that process? Man, honestly, honestly, it took me about a week. Um, Damn, that's not bad. No, no, but I mean, it helps. You know, I, I grew up with a dad who... Uh, 
taught me how to use tools. You yeah. Know? He taught me how to how to paint, how to do drywall. You know, I had that pleasure of. Uh, I think I, I knew how to tape and flip before I was sixteen. Oh shit! You know, and, yeah. and you know, I grew up in my family. I thought that was normal. <laughs> and then uh, I married Madison, and I started fixing stuff around the house, and I realized it's not normal to just know how to tape and float or fix a whole wall. So yeah, so, I always thank my parents for lessons like that. Yeah, for sure. So just going, let's just go back just a little bit. Yeah. Um, just uh, explain, just for, you know, people around here, they know you. A lot of people know you uh, in the area. Uh, but just for my listeners that, you know, just that are all over, uh, go back and just uh, talk about your upbringing a little bit, background. So, I mean, I was born in Pasadena. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, born in Pasadena, I grew up in Houston. I moved around a little bit. I've lived in the Queens of New York. I've lived in the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia. I live in North Carolina. I've lived in some of the worst ghettos around. I've lived <laughs> in some of the best places around. You know, but uh, I want to say in fifth grade, I was living in South Houston. And my mom and dad told me we were moving to a place called Mauriceville. No <laughs> idea what I was um, getting into. Was it southeast, southwest? Uh, southeast. It's closer to Pasadena. Okay. We're, okay, we're, okay. Right, we're not too far from Pasadena High. Um, That's right. In the South, South Houston at the time. And my dad moved over here for work. Well, actually, my dad moved around a lot for work. I say yeah. dad. It's, it's my stepdad, but I call him my dad. And we used to travel with him all the time. That's why I moved to the Queens or Atlanta, mm-hmm. Arizona. We would travel with him as he chased shutdowns. Well, in about fifth grade, he not that he got tired of bringing us. He just knew it was better to keep us somewhere. Right. You know, right. him travel by himself. So we... Because... It was fun to travel, but it sucked because yeah. you know, going up, like I didn't have friends like some of these guys or some of you guys. Who's like I've known that guy since first grade. Yeah, you know? it's crazy though because like some kids like that. They like the uh, you know you you have just coming up. You have and we know guys like this or you know uh, uh, girls as well. You have you have these kids that like being the new guy mm-hmm. or the new girl. Uh, but so you you didn't like it though. It, I think I did as a kid, but yeah. you know, as you get older into that middle school, high school, you know, you just don't have those kind of friendships. You know, oh, bonding, for sure. You know what I mean? You just yeah. don't, you you won't bond with those kids, or they just won't be around. Yeah. So at the yeah. time, I didn't mind it, but growing up, I was uh, grateful that my dad had to stay here. Yeah. You know, and then he would travel for work, and he got a permanent job. He stayed here. But as you can tell, that was a big culture shock going from, uh, I think, I always tell people, yeah. uh, when I was in Houston, I want to say my graduating class was around 920. Of course, yeah. yeah and uh, <laughs> I came to Mauriceville, and my Mauriceville graduating class, I want to say, was about 42. Yeah. <laughs> and not only was it 42, but I went from Houston, where it was very diverse, you know. It was to the point of diversity in Houston, yeah. where we'd have school assemblies, they'd have to have a Spanish translator. Because oh, there was shit. a lot, there, it was just common that there's a lot of parents that didn't speak English. Yeah. Know? And then I went from that to Mauriceville, where me and one other guy between kindergarten and eighth were the only ones that weren't white. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it was funny, because up until that point, I never really noticed it yeah. <laughs> until I right. came there. And Most then I, I walked in. Um, I have a good buddy of mine. Uh, his name's Isaiah Zavala. He loves telling this story. <laughs> but he remembers the first day I walked into those doors at Mauriceville, because he'll describe I was, I, He still remembers what I wear. So I came in with some high top. Um, Fubu was popular at the time. Uh, Remember okay. them? Yeah, they That's, were they were big. They were the yeah, thing back when they were day. popping. So I came in with those, <laughs> some baggy pants, and he says he'll never forget it. It was this super long Snoop Dogg shirt. It had his face <laughs> on it, and he had diamonds on his ears and on his eyes. <laughs> so could you imagine a little black kid walking into Mauriceville Middle School? Oh man, yeah. 
yeah. got some looks. <laughs> yeah, got some looks. most but, definitely, yeah, dude. But uh, Isaiah tells the story. He <laughs> says he sees me walk in, and he says, as soon as I walk in, he goes, that that's my best friend. <laughs> right there. Me and him are friends, and uh, man, we've cool. been friends ever since that moment. That's just how it was. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, you know, for the most part, like 80% of my childhood was uh, like Little Cypress. Uh, but but it was the same with my dad. You know, there would be times where we traveled for work, mm-hmm. uh, or he traveled for work. So uh, this was Houston, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel you. You know what I'm saying? I went to elementary schools, right. junior high schools, where there was a lot of kids. You go back to Mauriceville, you know, and it's just no like a lot smaller, and you're like one of the only... Uh, Everyone knows your name. You know? Absolutely, yeah. And it was like, it was a culture shock, but honestly, man, it was great, because you go to Houston, man... Them teachers don't even know your names. They don't care. Oh, they're yeah, just, they don't care. You're just a number. You know, yeah. You're going through. And, and, and growing up, you kind of see how kids get lost in the system. Yeah. You know, and you can't even blame the teachers. The teacher has, like I said, 900 students. How is oh, that man. teacher supposed to get up with that? But yeah. Just that's how it is, I guess. Yeah, bro. It's, uh, that, there's, and nowadays, Houston is just so overpopulated, man. Right. So many people. Um, in that city, but just going back to like your childhood. So you said you moved to Murraysville in fifth, fourth grade. Fifth grade? Uh, I was in fifth grade, so I started. It was between the summer of fifth and sixth grade, so mm. I ended fifth grade in Houston okay. and started sixth grade in. Um, actually, no, it wasn't fifth grade. It was sixth to seventh. So I ended sixth grade in Houston because middle school started seventh grade in Murraysville. Okay, okay, and yeah. And see, at Little Cypress, it was a. Uh, Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade was considered junior high. Mm-hmm. So was it this? It was this. Yeah, it was considered a junior high, but Mauricio was honestly so small. They had kindergarten through eighth grade all in the same campus. Oh, okay, I got so you. So like, Just, uh, yeah. we were, man, we were fifty feet from the elementary. Like we were same cafeteria and everything. But it, they could do that, you know. Like I said, we had forty kids in that class. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just how it was. Yeah, and I, I'd imagine you, you played sports like yeah, uh, man. I played basketball, played football. Uh, I had a big transition because um, I hit my growth spurt in eighth grade. So I, I literally went from a center and a defensive lineman to a running back and a linebacker within Damn. the summer. <laughs> and uh, I remember um, Coach Brister saw me for else You remember that guy? Yeah. Um, but he came up to the high school my ninth grade year, and I was running the ball. And he was like, hey, man, who's that kid right there? He's pretty good. And the uh, little Cypress coach is like, coach, that's your kid. That's Ruben. And he goes, what? <laughs> no way that's him. They go, yeah, he had a growth spurt. I grew about five inches, Damn. which I wasn't big. I was like 5'2 in eighth grade. I went from 5'2 to 5'8, 5'9, you know, same weight. So that weight just balanced out and I became yeah. a running back and they're like hey there you go <laughs> yeah were you guys any good in uh like football and basketball back in the day like yeah man um and Mauriceville we were pretty good um I mean granted a lot of it came because we played schools our size you know we were yeah. playing Deweyville we were playing St. Mary's Bridge City yeah you know we played small schools but you know I believe I remember correctly seventh and eighth grade we went undefeated Mm. pretty close in there or something like that but we did pretty good uh, it was a lot different when we came to high school because then we had to start fighting for positions and oh yeah ninth grade was an interesting thing because it's funny one of my best friends in the world we met each other fighting for the linebacker spot it what? was me and uh, Trevor Holsey yeah, uh, we were both middle linebackers, and that's how we met. We got introduced, and the coach was like, "You're the linebacker from Raceville. You're the linebacker from LCM. Let's see who gets it." Uh, funny enough, we actually um, 
that year we switched to a different setup, so we had two linebackers, so we both ended up starting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we became best friends from that. Um, I want to say we bonded over music. <laughs> oh, really? It was yeah. Uh, we were just working out. We'd work out together because same position, same coaches. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember if it was him or me, but one of us was listening to some uh, Slipknot. I think it was Trevor, and I was like, "You listen to Slipknot? I listen to Slipknot." <laughs> He's like, "You like Slipknot? I like Slipknot." And then it just from then on, it was just a friendship. And those yeah. of y'all, you know, who remember us from high school, they they know that you know me and Trevor were pretty basically tight. brothers. You know, yeah, did everything together. Yeah, hell yeah. So Slipknot, what else did you guys? Uh, uh, well, what else did you listen to? Like in terms of music, man, I listen to everything. Honestly, I, yeah. I, I always tell people I, I listen to artists. You know, yeah. someone who produces good music, whether it's rap or pop or you know, I've listened to traditional. I, I like me some piano, some um, Louis Capali. Yeah. However, you say his name. I've been learning how to play piano myself. Um, played a couple of his songs. Um, Anything that's good. Uh, I like music that speaks to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. tell a story, you know. People always make fun of, uh, not that I listen to her, but Taylor Swift, because she writes all these songs about her ex-boyfriends. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey man, that's an art to tell a story like that. Cause oh yeah, for sure. It paints some, a picture. Yeah, so some people, yeah, she's whining, she's crying about her ex-boyfriend, but somebody, that changes their life. You yeah. Know? They they really get to listen to that song and, and kind of escape. Yeah, it's the... Uh... It's definitely the the universal language, oh, yeah. um, you know. Going back to just like football and stuff, uh, and we were never, you know, and I say we, you know, all of us in, at LCM, you know, you got Mauriceville, uh, Little Cypress. We joined, we get to high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were never that great at football, like that our football team. But I feel like you know we had like a bond, yeah, there, yeah, you know, and, like a brotherhood. Yeah, we did. I mean, we had we had some decent seasons and we had some bad seasons. You know, <laughs> yeah. we had some really bad seasons. <laughs> did you play all four years in high school? A little yeah, I did play all four years. I played halfway through my halfway through the freshman year. I got moved up to varsity. Gotcha. Um, which you know that I, I believe that was the last year of. I can't remember that coach's name, but I, I remember they went 0-10 that year. My freshman oh, year. Like, oh. It was the year before Coach Crouch had actually came in. Oh, coach, uh, coach Moody? Moody, that was yeah. his name, Coach Moody. Bojo. Uh, funny story, uh, I heard as soon as he left LCM, he won himself two state championships. No way. Coach Moody, yeah, the other school he went to. Um, wow. I, I heard there's a lot of politics, which, I mean, I don't know what's true. He wasn't allowed to run the offense at LCM like he wanted to. Uh, he got to his new school. They let him take the reins. Yeah, and he took off with it. Uh, so if that's yeah. true, you know, all power to him. I'm glad he found his success. Yeah, yeah. And the the good thing, uh, you know, about just little Cypress, like the whole athletic department is. Um, no, nah, we weren't the best at football, but we had like a badass baseball team. We did. We had a really great. Band. I never played baseball, but I still respect them because I rem- I remember they have that wall back there of all the guys who went to the MLB. Yeah, remember that? You yeah. hear the names? I'm like. Yeah, we ain't got no NFL players. <laughs> <laughs> and we we got an Earl Thomas. We, we tried we tried to play Earl, but they shut that down. <laughs> so he came here for a year. He's ours, yeah, bro. <laughs> and lives also right the, by the uh, man, remember the uh, I'm sure you went to like the basketball games, bro. The basketball games were, we're so lit, fucking bro. exciting. We had a good basketball team. <laughs> it man. seems like every year they were so exciting, man. Like I, I looked forward to every Friday night. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? People were doing going out doing whatever. Fuck that! I'm going to a basketball game at my school. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Funny story. I have a real good friend. Uh, his name is Preston Armstrong. He actually got moved up to uh, 
high school basketball in eighth grade because uh, he mm. was six foot two, six foot three uh, in eighth grade. Phenomenal right? basketball. And I remember uh, talking to him after one of the high school games, and he came up to me. He's like, "Man, that was scary." I was like, "Why?" He goes, "Bro." One of them dudes just said Thug Life tattooed on his arm. I said, I wasn't ready. <laughs> he said, those are some men out there. And I was like, yeah, we're in eighth grade. We're like, oh, crap, he has some tattoos. Like, what? Now, now me, I'm all tatted up. I'm like, oh, well, Thug Life, whatever. <laughs> that ain't nothing. Yeah, man. And speaking of Preston, dude, he uh, that's one of the nicest guys like you'll ever meet, man. Like, I remember like uh, one of the first times I ever like encountered uh or you know i met preston uh it was a good time we didn't know each other but it was like oh talking black guy talking black guy right fuck yeah man, that's how we met man when i when yeah. i came up to seventh grade i saw him I was like man me and you we're friends we gotta stick together we, we gotta stick together it's us, it's us man. Uh, no you're right though he's a real great you know him he's a nice guy and his brothers you know some of the nicest people i've ever met his yeah. mom and dad fuck sweethearts man yeah love his family they're great uh I remember we used to go over his house because they got some big boy. Preston, and it's the funniest. Preston's not even really the biggest one. What? And yeah, um, he's a big his dude. Little, his little brother, man. I want to say his little brother was upwards two hundreds in high school. You know, not upwards, but mid two hundreds in yeah. high school. And he was a big kid. You know, so I was like. When I became a parent, I started buying groceries. I'm like, man, how did y'all do it? <laughs> Bro. How did you feed three boys like that? It's yeah. crazy. And me and the the girl, you know, back home, we we talk about it all the time. You know, um, I grew up for the most part. I grew up with a, like a single mother. You mm-hmm. know, she had like four of us. Mm-hmm. We would go to the grocery store together. Everything. Like, how the fuck did you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I have two yes. stepkids at home. One's ten, one's three. Mm-hmm. But it's like even going in the store with two children. It's like, dude, this is this is hectic. Mm-hmm. You know it what I'm saying? Like, like, a lot, you know, that's when uh, honestly, that's when I realized we kind of grew up a little poor. Because <laughs> yeah. I would remember the meals we would eat. And you know, as a kid, I loved them. I ate them all the time. For sure, for sure. But when it I made started buying my own groceries, and I would go buy those things and be like. Man, that thing costs thirty cents. <laughs> you know, you're like, mm, why are we yeah. eating this? You know, why are we eating that? But you know, that's just hard work of parents, especially the kind like I had. They they gave us everything they could, and we never saw it. Yeah, you know, we never saw it growing up poor. Yeah, uh, not like they did. You know, they worked their butts off, which is where I get my work ethic. Is especially my dad. You know, uh, funny story growing up uh, that I always praise my dad for. Is he never missed a single high school varsity football game? Nice. Never missed a single one. Stepdad too, like I'm saying. Uh, he used to actually work shutdowns, and I remember when I got older, he told me he used to work a shutdown all summer. And I remember uh, senior year, he was averaging 110 hours a week. He worked all summer like that, and he God told me damn. he told me he was doing that so he yeah. could save up enough money, and he would take off my whole football season. Oh wow! He'd come to all the practices. He'd come yeah. to all the games. He'd pick me up. He'd take me wherever I needed to go. Yeah. Because the rule of my house growing up was I didn't need a job. I didn't need to do anything. I just needed to bring home good grades. Right. And play sports have yeah. or extracurriculars, and uh, that's what I try to give my kids. Because growing up, and you know, talking to other people, older people, even you know, traveling. That was a big thing. Some people met. Some people would be like, my dad never came to football games. You know, yeah. my dad, you know, I never had to deal with that. And I always appreciated that. Like I said, it's where I get my work ethic from. Yeah. I worked my butt off so I can be there like he was. And do you think it's just like, uh, just like with the, the way your parents raised you with, um, you know, just bring home good grades, uh, just be a good student. 
you don't, you don't have to work as long as you're under my roof. Do you think it's a cultural thing? Because one of my best friends, he's a Filipino, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's our age, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But he still lives at home. Um, and his parents are just like, look, dude, you go to college, uh, you know, make good grades, do all these things. You don't have to work, you know? I think, I think it is. I think it's a cultural thing. I think it's a generational thing, too. I, I mm-hmm. think more parents should do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, my stepson, he, you know, he's 12. I tell him the same thing. Yeah. I said, you always stay at my house. But I said, when you turn 18, I've never told him I'm going to kick him out. Yeah. But I said, you either need to be going to school. You need to be working to get a good job or getting ready to go to boot camp. Yeah. Like, those are your three options. As long as he's doing one of those three, he's always going to have a place here. Not that I'd ever kick him on the streets, but always push that to him so he knows what's important. Absolutely. Know? But I also yeah. give him options because I feel like some kids or some parents push college way too much. Oh, you yeah. Know? And I feel I never I, I went to college for a little bit, and but I don't do what I went to college for. But I feel like so many kids like I have I have a buddy right now who he has almost a master's degree. Right, and he tried to get a job, and he was getting a job, literally making less than half of what I was making with what was no his, degree. Uh, what was his major? Kinesiology. Oh shit! Going really? into sports science. Where he was working in a hospital, one of that big hospital, that brand new hospital in Nederland. When you come in off the Port Arthur exit to the left, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name of it, but he was working um, there. Oh, fuck, what's the name of that hospital? I know where you're talking. You know what I'm about, talking, but it's a yeah. big, nice new facility. It's a nice hospital. He was working there. And he was making less than half of what I was working, and I didn't even go to school for what I was working for. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, college isn't everything. Yeah. You know, his degree don't mean stuff because, yeah, he's, he has a pretty good job. He's working half, but they're making half of what I'm making. But then again, he has a big student loan he has to pay Yeah, off. that he you know, still that's has a big to pay thing, off. You know? Yeah, that's, then that was my whole thing with um, college, you know, and I, I posted about this the other day. I will never knock anyone that's going to college or plans on going to college. I hope my kids go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, if you're going to go, know what you're going for and make it practical. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if you don't, you can end up, you know, like your buddy yeah. or like John Doe, you know what I'm saying, where you're out of work, especially during times yeah, like, this, like this, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it's hard, bro. It's hard. Um, you know, it's hard, but like, you know, with you in the gym and everything, it's, uh, I commend it cause you know, you're also teaching, you know, your son and, and other kids, you know, you can step out and like, you know, work hard. You can step out and do what you want, really want right, to right. do. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I always stress. I even tell my wife that all the time. It's like, I have a good job. I really do. And, and I like it, but I'm using my job to get what I love, which is this mm-hmm. gym, which is putting money. I put a lot of the money that I make into the gym, into the kids, all the money. That's where it goes. Yeah. You know, my job, sometimes you just got to think of it that way is you do a job where, yeah, you don't really like it, but you're making good money yeah. and you can come home and do what you love. Yeah. You know, you, you understand the bigger picture. <laughs> right. And that's, I feel like more, more people need to see that. Yeah. You know, because if you just wall around in this job you hate, there's a there's a silver lining in everything. Oh, if you're for making sure. money, you have a job. Yeah, like we're doing, open your own business, do your own thing, yeah. do your own podcast, you know, or just what we were doing before the gym, just putting money and spending on the kids, taking the kids places, taking yeah. them to Pensacola, taking them to San Antonio. They go, to, they've been to Sea World, you know, they've been to the beaches of Pensacola, you know, they've been to Houston multiple times. I've taken them to New Orleans. You know, they're seeing things. Yeah, you know, they're experiencing stuff because I always tell them my wife you know 
Yeah, we can buy them things. We can buy them toys, but they're going to outgrow it. Oh, for sure. Xbox, there's going to be a new one next year. Absolutely. But, you know, one thing, yeah, like Pensacola. My stepdaughter, Aria, we took them to San Antonio, I think, almost two years ago. She still talks about it. Yeah. She still talks about SeaWorld. She still talks about those (laughs) whales, the dolphins, the parrots they saw. You know, she always, like, randomly, she'd be like, hey, can we go to San Antonio? Yeah. And I'm like, see, that's, it's stuck with her. And she's... She's four now. <laughs> yeah. And that was you know, a year and a half ago, two years yeah. ago, and it's still, you know, those are the things I'd rather take them to go experience. For sure. Well, I mean, and I'm sure we could say the same thing, you know, like coming up, you know, my parents would take us to like Astro- when Astroworld mm-hmm. was. Yes, we went there Astroworld, a lot. <laughs> Fiesta, Texas, places like that. Oh, yeah. I still remember those things, you know. I, so. I still remember uh, my grandfather, my, my dad's dad, my grandfather, uh, they built a lot in my dad in Pasadena, you know, all them them uh, plants in Baytown. Yeah. They were a part of those builds. They mm. were big. My, my grandfather was real big in that. And being part of that, we actually had season tickets to the first three seasons of the Houston Texans. Oh, back shit. Back in the day. Wow. And they were good seats. And I, rem- yeah. I still remember. I was young, but he used to take us there. And I still have those memories to be like, oh, these are football players. Oh, this back when yeah. it was um, Reliance. <laughs> yeah, it was back when it was Reliance. They yeah. across the street from Astroworld and the water park. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? Bro. Back in the day. But we lived right there. You know, it was Yeah. Great. Was we need great. Astroworld back, bro. Oh, bro. I was selling uh, yeah, I was selling a <laughs> little flip this on that episode, dude. We need we need to bring back Asteroid. Uh do you remember um Celebration Station? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember, remember that, that old man that come out of that Asteroid bus every time and just start getting it? <laughs> we did it. Yeah, bro, we we need that stuff back, man. We do. Did you uh you, you ever go to like uh, Fiesta Texas coming up in San Antonio? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's another another really good place, man. The, the Superman that was my favorite ride, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember if it was new or old, but it was, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, was it was nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Or the Batman at Astro World, yeah. I love, yeah. I love all the superhero ones. Anything that was a super. I mean, I'm a big Batman fan either way. Yeah, well, no, I, obviously, man. From the last time we talked, dude, the Joker. <laughs> so after you told you, you know you explained it you broke it down to me you told me about it um oh but it didn't ruin anything no no you, you didn't ruin, no okay. you didn't ruin anything so I, I went home and was like babe like you know i had a good convo with my buddies uh ruben told me about the joker he said it was badass you know and i heard good things about the joker but we didn't watch it that night um you know weeks go by we finally watch it and she was like babe i watched this last night it wasn't that good I watched it. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" It's a great movie. It's fantastic. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, just like from start to finish, just like that whole perspective, that Joker. Because I mean, you know, just being into uh, you know superheroes and comics, there's so many different Jokers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that, I think, that is the Joker. That you know is what the I'm realist like, Joker. That that's the thing that I like about it is they made him like that's what they've never done in a superhero movie is be like. This is possible. Yeah. You know, this can happen. You know, even with Batman, they've never... Made, Batman's probably the most realistic superhero you'll ever find. Yeah. As far as can this happen. And they've never made it seem plausible. Right. they never made it seem like someone could do that. But to be the Joker and make it real and yeah. be like... The fun, the, not the funny thing, but the bad thing is, is like some people know someone that's like that. Right. You know, they're like, right. oh man, they're like... Oh, Bobby down the street, like he's yeah, <laughs> he's one incident away from just 
snap it. Yeah, and see, you come off as a, like a, like a, we we relate on a lot of things. So you come off like the, the same way in a sense of uh, even back in high school, dude. Like I would, um, I remember walking with like some of my close buddies like down the hallways and like dapping up a lot of people, and mm-hmm. then my buddies being like, "Damn, bro, you cool with everybody?" Yeah, because like you don't know if you just simply shaking that dude's hand made his date or not. Right. You right. know what I'm saying? And so uh, that's what I was big because uh, Madison always tells me like, oh, you're popular in high school. Blah, blah, blah. No, I wasn't popular. I just didn't discriminate. I exactly. didn't care what you did. I had friends in band. I had friends in soccer. I had exactly. friends in baseball. Yeah. I said, we were cool. We are cool. It went, some people... Like, if you didn't play football, we can't be friends. Like, why? Right. Why? It, Why? Like, it clickish. Yeah, yeah, it's like you have your click. You know, I have my people I played football with. For sure. And, you know, because <clears throat> you got to realize football season ends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it ends. <laughs> yeah. Football ends. You yeah. know, you're going to stop playing football. You can't just be friends with just them. Yeah. You know, I yeah, think, you know, up. we were friends. We were cool. I didn't care what you did. Yeah, That was man. your business to me. That's yeah. Like what your hobbies were, it's, that's on you. Yeah, so, and yet, I, I think everyone... Um, and what I got out of that Joker movie is that, like you said, everyone knows someone like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it was uh, it was super interesting. Honestly, it's in like my top five mm-hmm. <laughs> movies sure. now. You know, it's uh, crazy. Did you ever watch um, Gotham? Like that I series? Love Gotham. Yeah, I, I liked shows. that story of the Joker as well. Mm-hmm. The twins. I did enjoy that story. I liked that. I a lot enjoyed. Too. I enjoyed them kind of going more into just Bruce. Yeah, just like because like that's a big transformation from yeah. what an eight year old like because that was the thing about the Batman story is it went from an eight year old to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what happened? Like, what would have would have been like super fucking cool huh. if they would have made th- this Joker movie and then put out Gotham. That would have been dope. you know what I'm saying. You know, because another movie that I did I did like a lot was um, Bright Light, the one about Superman. Have you seen that one? No. So it was a very it was a horror movie. Oh shit! It's a horror movie about Superman, and um, it's they don't say it's Superman, but yeah. it's Superman. <laughs> you know, it's Kent Clark, but it's realistic, kind of like the Joker was, because yeah. it's like Kent. You know, obviously everyone knows the story. It's an alien lands on planet, farmers raise him, but this is his childhood, mm. and it's him. He's weird because yeah. he's an alien. He doesn't know how to act. Right. So kids are picking on him. And oh, as shit. kids are picking on him, he's yeah. realizing, I'm indestructible. Yeah. And he's doing what a 10-year-old would do if he's like, all these kids are picking on him. Yeah. And there's a there's a crazy scene where, um, which it's in the trailer. Do you mind if I say it? No, no, no. Okay, so there's a crazy scene um, where he's cutting the grass and uh, his lawnmower blade, his lawnmower tips over. And he's yeah. just staring at the blades and he's kind of realizing, like, I'm indestructible. Yeah. And he's like, mm, and he sticks his hand in the blade, and the blade breaks. Oh, and then he's like, oh, I'm indestructible. <laughs> and he goes on this rampage of these kids Fuck. that have been bull- And he's just, and it, I didn't enjoy it, but what I appreciated it is that it was realistic. Right. It was kind of gruesome, Yeah. but it's like, well, if a kid had those powers... <laughs> Well, he's I mean, do what a kid's dude, do. Imagine, I mean, like, yeah, just you know, just watching you guys on the mat. I mean, you you all obviously have like some sort of strength. Imagine having that just that strength at, at ten years. Yeah, old. exactly. You know and what I'm like, saying? And knowing that, yeah, there's this scene where I think a little girl like slaps him. Yeah, and he grabs her hand and he just crushes it with no effort. You yeah. know, because he's Superman. Yeah, and yeah. he and it's just him realizing like. <laughs> No one can stop me. You know, he's picking cars up and throwing them. He's like, I got laser vision. You know, and he's gone and he kills a lot of people. But it's, to me, yeah. almost more realistic than Superman 
because that's probably what would have happened if yeah. you had some alien guy come down here and the way kids are nowadays they're just gonna they pick on each other I forget the uh there was a Superman movie it was it's one of the latest ones I forget the fucking name of it but it was really good it's super long mm-hmm. um god damn it what's the name of that movie um I'll have to look it up and come back to it but uh yeah man it was uh it was a it was a good movie it's uh I liked it a lot it had um I want to say maybe Mila Kunis was his girl in that movie I don't know um, hmm. Super good though. One of the latest Supermans. Let me see. Go look it up real quick. Superman movie. Let's see. Man of Steel. Oh, I saw that one. So I like the Man of Steel. I never saw uh, Batman versus Superman. It was though. good, man. It was um, a little more traditional to the comics. A lot of people argue it. The comics, I feel. Are true. Batman wins every time. Yeah, um, and that's not just me being a Batman thing. It's more of if you read into the comments. Yeah, they just kind of talk about Superman's too nice. Mm, so okay. The reason the reason Batman wins is because Superman isn't willing to kill Batman, mm. but Batman's willing to kill Superman. Superman. Gotcha. And that's kind of where, and Superman acknowledges that in one of the comics. He's like, "Yeah, you could stamp me in half, but you won't." Yeah, and then that's where Batman is like, "Okay, I got you," because uh, you're not willing to kill. Because yeah. it's against his rule, and you know, it's easier to stick to that rule when you're the strongest man on the planet. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can sit, but when you have someone like Batman who's <laughs> just coming after you, coming out, and he sees Superman as a threat, yeah, it's just how it is. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the moral, you know, not the moral story, but you just got to be willing to do whatever it takes yeah. sometimes, and sometimes it means. You know, taking a life like that, which Batman felt he had to do. Yeah. That's why he wins. You know, because I'll say the argument, yeah, Superman would win if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, he's crushing but he little can't, girl's yeah, hands. But he can't. <laughs> you know, he has that moral code, which yeah. is kind of why, that's kind of like his weakness. That is his weakness. Yeah. Because you got to think, you think about it, there is no weaknesses in Superman besides kryptonite. Yeah. And taking the sun away and magic. But besides that, you know, if you're trying to get a head-on fist fight with him. Yeah, you're not gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say, um, I mean, I like superheroes. You know, Spider Man, like the the Spider Man with like Tobey Maguire, like those movies were. So, who was your favorite one out of the Tobey and the? Uh, honestly, I like the. This is gonna sound crazy. I like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, but the latest, bro, the the animated. The uh, animated, the Spider Verse. Yeah, Spider Verse is my favorite. Bro, one. that movie is fantastic. I think Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Was a great Spider Man. Yeah, but I think the new kid is a better Peter Parker. Okay, see, I you never, I, mean? I never saw the the newer one. The new kid's more of a traditional Peter Parker because yeah. he reminds you of a high school student. He's goofy. He's weird. You know, he's just some nerd in high school who has superpowers. Mm. You're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Where Tobey Maguire, he was in high school, but I never believed he was in high school. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like mm, you're not in high school. Yeah. You know, yeah but yeah. he was a great Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, he, no, he's no, great. No, that Spider-Man. makes that's a good way of looking at it, dude. That makes perfect sense. But yeah, because like in the the scenes where he's like chasing the bus and mm-hmm. shit, like, this dude is in college. I love I, I do love the scene in Spider-Man three when he gets that black suit and he's just dancing everywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> he gets a swag. So honestly, Spider-Man three sort of it. I mean, maybe you can explain it for me, dude. Spider-Man three confused the fuck out of me. I didn't know if he was like Venom or you know. I didn't it's know weird, what, man. what they was don't really going explain on. It I didn't know well. what was going on because originally what it is is Venom is that symbiote, right? Right. And he don't have Spider-Man powers. 
but he attaches himself to Spider-Man, and Spider-Man forces him off of him using the bell. That's traditionally how it goes in the comics, because he's sensitive to sound. And when he detaches from Spider-Man, Venom takes it personally. Mm. So he becomes has this hatred for Spider-Man. But because he was uh, used symbiosis to connect Spider-Man, he was able to take those powers. Oh. So he was able to take the powers okay. of Spider-Man. Where he learned, he learned how to shoot webs and climb walls. Yeah. And what he did was Venom, because it's his own, you know, it's an alien, has his own mind, his own conscious. Yeah. He found Eddie Brock. Okay. He also had a hatred for Spider-Man. Okay. So that's where Venom, being as smart as he is, learned, I hate Spider-Man. You hate Spider-Man. I need a person to connect to. I'm going to connect to that's you. That's what I was about to ask. We're going to kill okay, Spider-Man. Okay. That's okay. kind of traditionally how it goes, like, in the anime and the comics. They just did, gotcha. to me, they did a poor job of kind of portraying that. And yeah. that's the problem with, I think, superhero movies is so many people know the story. It's yeah. like, how much do you say? Yeah. Do you say the whole thing? But then you, if you say the whole story, you bore the real fans. Gotcha. But if you don't say enough, you can't pull in new fans. And, and that's what I was about to ask. Like, I didn't know, I mean, you obviously have way more knowledgeable <laughs> on the comics. Like, I didn't know, like, uh, Venom, like, just the whole entity of Venom. Yeah. They had to attach himself to an actual human. It's symbiosis. You know that's kind of, that's where they got the name from, it's symbiosis. Gotcha. Because Venom, uh, funny thing is, is Venom comes from a planet of symbiotes where Venom is considered kind of a weakling, mm. kind of an outcast, kind of a loser. That's kind of why he attaches to those people. But in, on Earth, he's not seen that way. Mm. You know, because he's the only one. Right, right. But, uh, he's different. I want to say in the comics, there was like seven of them. Oh, shit. There's okay. Top, you know, and, and they reproduce. So yeah. there's... The funny thing about when they reproduce is their reproduction is stronger than they are. So they reproduce one... You know, there's Carnage. People know Carnage. And Carnage reproduces one that's not as popular called Toxin or Toxic. And it's just so on and so forth. Got you. Uh, that's how the Tom Hardy Venom kind of goes into it a little bit. But I think in part two, they'll say a little more about how that kind of and, and honestly, I've seen the, uh, the, you can get on YouTube and like watch like any random video and, excuse me, and you'll see like a trailer for like the mm -hmm. Venom movie. Yeah. I've never seen the movie, but like I always see that trailer. I enjoyed the movie. It, 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 it reminds good? me a lot of um, kind of how the Joker was done. It's real gritty. It's real hardcore. Okay. It's a little more realistic because what I enjoyed from the movie is because like I was saying Venom attaches to you. Yeah. Venom attaches to Tom Hardy and you just kind of experience Tom Hardy freak out. Yeah. Like a normal person was like, what's going on? And then Venom's just taking control <laughs> and he's just like, ah, just like going <laughs> through the motions because he can't control it. And he's just like, all right. Yeah, but I mean, I love Tom Hardy in all his movies, especially uh, Bane when he played Bane. Oh man, man yeah, jacked. The, the Dark Knight, what was it? Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, that was a fucking fantastic mm -hmm. movie. Uh, I like that that Joker as well. Uh, Heath Ledger. I enjoyed that Joker a lot. Yeah, it was very like a very sick, mm -hmm. twisted type guy. Honestly, though, like a lot of people gave him shit, but I really enjoyed the. Uh, uh, and I, I might get hell for saying this. I enjoyed the Jared Leto Joker. I enjoyed well. him too. Because um, what the way I see it is there's different types. Yeah, there's different types of Jokers. Uh, and traditionally, like the old Joker we saw back in the day, back in the 90s, he was a gangster, right? Yeah. And him being a gangster, he portrayed a 90s gangster. Well, Jared Leto 
want to say he portrayed a more modern style gangster, you know, a mobster, a guy who's he's gonna wear flashy things, he's gonna try to impress people, he's gonna have a lot of money, yeah, you know, and he kind of did those things pretty well. The only thing I didn't like about that Joker is they didn't show him enough. Right, I feel like that's where they messed up. They and there's there's enough. interviews where Leto was like, "Dude, uh, me and uh, Margot, who, who's uh, who plays Harley Quinn, yes, like we a lot of scenes got cut out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's unfortunate because I feel like both of them. She's a fantastic. Harley it is. Quinn. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> but like, I mean, it's they just they didn't have the thing like the Avengers did, where you bring in so many high quality actors. Like, who do you point the camera at? You know, right. they had Will Smith there. Oh, yeah. Harley Quinn was a big draw. People wanted to see Killer Croc for the first time. Yeah, you know, but Deadshot was um, Will Smith, in my opinion, did an amazing job. Oh yeah, you Fantastic. know, and it's hard when you have someone like Will Smith who has so much fans. Like, yeah, who are you gonna point the camera at, Will or Jared? You know, <laughs> I, I see the struggle. It sucks. Yeah, I wish he would have got his own movie like Harley did. Yeah, so I I never saw that one either. But yeah, I was hoping for like a a spinoff with like Leto's. Um, um, Joker. He's playing um, a character called Morbius now. Have you seen that? No. Um, so for people oh, who don't shit. know, Morbius is a Spider-Man villain. He's actually a vampire, mm. uh, very similar to like Dracula, uh, but he has more, almost like Blade, uh, where he's like a vampire, but they kind of really push his vampire traits, like strength and speed and stealth and mm. things like that. And he it looks good. Now there's only a couple trailers out. I ain't come out yet. Yeah, but uh, for people who know who Morbius is, he he looks like the because I mean you gotta think of like a Dracula. And yeah. Look at Jared Leto, long black hair, you know, a little five o'clock shadow, yeah, black <laughs> coat on. You might think, yeah, that's a vampire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're obviously a movie buff, man. Um, uh, I always always want to want to ask like on every episode, like favorite gangster movie. This is a question I gotta man. throw out there. Scarface. <laughs> I grew up on yeah. Scarface. My <laughs> uncle, man, I, my, my, so, a uh, little short story. Uh, I grew up without a dad. Met my stepdad when I was a little older. But my first role model was my uncle Abel. Theo mm-hmm. Abel, Con Theo Abel. With him, I grew up on ACDC, Guns N' Roses, nice. and Scarface. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was my childhood. ACDC <laughs> and Scarface. And I loved it. And, um, yeah. you know, it's funny. I don't even think I watched the movie that much growing up. I just... He talked about it so much. Because I had one uncle that was real into Scarface, ACDC. And my other uncle, I called Theo Joe, yeah. was real big into the Quentin Tarantino movies. Ah. You know, House of a Thousand Corpses, you know. Yeah. I was real. So I had, like, both sides of that. Because those were... Because not only did I not really have a dad growing up, but my grandfather died when I was about three. Yeah. Five or six. So I didn't have him very long either. Mm. So those were my role models from my two uncles. Well, it's it's crazy you say uncle. So my favorite, or as as of date, dude, my favorite director uh, or just creator of any type of film is Tarantino. Yeah. And Tarantino was introduced to me by my aunt that passed away. So uh, yeah, uh, she liked Quentin Tarantino, and also I mean she was still alive. She liked the Rob Zombie movies mm-hmm. as well, you know, because they just have like a different style of filmmaking, you it know. Does. It's so interesting. It know? is. What I like about it is I feel like some movies try to cater to an audience. You're like, I Absolutely. can show this because someone like Quentin was like, no, we're going to make a good movie <laughs> and whatever we show, we're going to yeah. show. And it made it 
I don't want to say more real, but more believable that this was a horror movie, yeah, or a gruesome movie, or even some of his just good movies. Yeah, me and uh, me and the girl talked about it uh, just yesterday. Uh, the movie from Dust Till Dawn. So I love you, that. you had my first vampire movie. Though. Yeah, you um, have Tarantino, George Clooney, right? They're brothers, was... serial killers. Um, they're traveling. They're robbing people and killing people. Tarantino's a fucking weirdo in the movies, raping people and mm-hmm. killing them. Um, and then they go to Mexico to a, a titty a strip club. A machete. <laughs> the oh, I strip, love that. Dude. <laughs> to fester with these women vampires. that turn into vampires. It's like great what? Because it's come out. They just come out of nowhere with this. It's stuff. crazy, like, bro. That'd be a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, All right. Tarantino's mind. Just imagine, just like traveling through this man's mind. Wow. Um, just two days ago, I watched Django for the umpteenth time. And it's, it's still fantastic. Great movie. It's 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 fantastic. Jamie Foxx is so, in my opinion, underrated. I feel like absolutely he doesn't get enough credit because like he's doing everything. He's doing comedy. He's singing. He's acting. Yeah. He's directing. He do whatever that man and wants like literally to. killing every Everything. killing it all. He do whatever you know? he wants to do. <laughs> you know, I feel like people like that should be well. I don't know. I've always, I don't know how you feel about actors. I felt like every actor should only get one role. Mm. Produce more actors, but it makes it more like like Robert Downey Jr. Right. Like I know he's done a lot of movies. That's fucking Iron. He's Man. Iron Man. That's Iron Man. That, yeah. I like, wish more people had yeah. that. I wish like there was just one Spider Man, yeah. one Batman, one Iron. But Man. I think if you put yourself like in in their shoes, like you don't think that it it just like it sort of takes away from it does. Like I see they both are, sides. You know what I'm saying? I see both sides of it, but like. There's just so many because to me I thought like there's so many underappreciated actors. That's true. Because Robert Downey is staying at the top because mm-hmm. he's getting all these roles. He's staying at the top, or you know Leonardo DiCaprio, he's staying at the top. Yeah, that's that's, you know? that's true. Um, if you look at it, you know, in hindsight, it's uh, it definitely makes sense. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I could talk to you about yeah, movies yeah. For, forever, <laughs> dude. But um. Um, so uh, where were we at? We were at football and high school. When did uh, okay? When did uh, MMA come into the picture? Like when did so, you decide? Uh, like so, like I was saying, I lost my grandfather at a young age. I didn't have a lot of role, male role models. Right. Going back to my Phil Abel, my uncle Abel, he's a big time boxer. Mm, okay. Gold, Golden Glove. Um, his both his sons Weddle and Charles they 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 box. They did karate. They grew up. Uh, my grandfather passed away, and um, I didn't know too too much. I spent a lot of time there because I was young. I don't remember. I don't have too many memories, but one memory I do remember is he loved boxing. Mm. He loved boxing. He watched boxing all the time. So he passed away. I got in. I was in second grade, eighth grade. I was in South Houston, and my uncle asked me to go and try boxing. And all I can remember is my uncle loved boxing. My grandfather loved boxing. So I was like, you know what? Whatever. Let's go do some boxing. I did yeah. boxing. And on the first day, they told us we had to run around the block. And we ran around <laughs> the block. And the block we ran around was actually the corner. The only thing on that block was the hospital where my grandfather passed away. So I had to run around that hospital every day. Yeah. You know, as a second grade. <laughs> so, you know, it sucked. But it was yeah. almost a motivation because it was like... He's yeah. seeing me do this. He's seeing me become a boxer. Yeah. And it just went from there. I was a boxer growing up. I just did a lot of boxing. It came naturally. I just was good at it. I was good at it. I was good. I don't know why. I was just good at it. Yeah. I did boxing probably until, honestly, probably high school. I was doing some boxing. 
and I went to the Jiu-Jitsu Academy, mm. and it was actually Cliff and Jeremiah Gunner, who at the time was fighting in Texas Rage in the Cage, you remember that? Yeah. Heavyweight, <laughs> he was fighting for a championship. I went in there, they taught me some Jiu-Jitsu, and Holy I got shit, I yeah. Bag, bro. <laughs> I got introduced <laughs> into MMA, and I just fell in love with it, because, you know, boys, they wrestle all the time. Yeah. You know, and I would wrestle, I'd box, I'd wrestle, I'd box, grew up with all these kids, and then I realized... Oh, someone can teach you how to wrestle. Like yeah. you can wrestle better. Like you can learn. <laughs> like we can learn how to do this. Yeah. And then it just you know it was jujitsu and boxing, and they were separate. You know, yeah. I was doing my jujitsu, I was doing my boxing. I grew up, got out of high school, and then that's when MMA started coming up. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "Oh, you can do these together." You know, you you know boxing, you know wrestling. This is a sport. And yeah. I was like, this is it for me. This, yeah. is, this is what I want to do. You know, and I just would look more into it and more into it. And then, you know, boxing and jiu-jitsu turned into kickboxing and Muay Thai and wrestling and judo and traveling. And, you know, I've trained with some of the best in the world, you know. I've trained with, uh, for those of you who know, Kamar Usman. I've yeah. trained with him in Houston before. He was an animal, you know. Man. And to, uh, Damn, that's badass. Yeah, and to be able to sit there and train with not who you think is the best, but who you know yeah. is the best in the world, you know, it's like, oh, there's levels to this, you know. Do you think there's, um, you, you come off as a, uh, like, just like a, a scrappy guy, like a natural born, mm-hmm. like, fighter. Do you think it's a natural thing, or do you think people could also be, t- I mean, of course you can be taught yeah. anything, but you know what I mean? Like, you think some people just have that DNA in like, my opinion, out the womb? In my opinion, as a coach, there's a lot of things I can't teach you. Mm. I, I can't teach you to be tough. Mm. I can't teach you to sit in a corner with a broken nose and a busted eye and be like, all right, I'm going to go back in there for right. three. Okay, okay. You know, I can teach you how to throw kicks. I can teach you how to choke someone out. I can teach you how to take someone down. But in my experience, which I'm not going to name any names, but I've had some students who, they're animals. Yeah. They're complete and utter animals. We had uh, a couple kids. I've had some kids, a 14-year-old I had one time. Uh, he's an animal. So, yeah. a, a, cop, got that dog so, so him, huh? a cop was, here's the thing a cop came into our academy one day. A cop, he's six foot four, 220 pounds. I have a 14 year old. Yeah, big cop, big cop. I have a 14 year old, about five, five, 120 pounds. Yeah. Manhandles that cop. Manhandles, throwing him around, choking him out, oh, man. putting him in locks. Cop can't <laughs> handle, cops out of breath, and this kid's ready to go. Like, he's he got that going. dog in he, him. Huh? He, that's what you would think. Yeah. He has it. Yeah. In the academy, mm. but when we would take him to compete, he'd get crushed by twelve-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds. Mm. You know, sixteen-year-olds would crush him because he would fold under that pressure. Oh, okay. he'd fold under that spotlight. Yeah. So it's like he's an animal, like almost to the point to where, like, if me and him had the same body, he'd beat me. Yeah. If it wasn't because I was a two hundred and thirty-pound purple belt, you know. Fighting a kid, he'd probably beat me. Yeah, there's been times where I've been worried, rolling him like, "Oh, you almost got that." Yeah. You know, he's a kid, but on the competition mat, he just he wasn't the same. Yeah. You know? So some people that's that's what goes back. Some people have it, some people don't. Yeah. You know, we've all seen those fights where it's like they're beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. I think this is why I appreciate like uh, just taking it up a few notches, like the UFC with like. The way it's going right now, because without the crowd, right? I mean, you've been in the octagon, mm-hmm. you've been in the ring, so yeah. you know. Um, without the crowd, it's literally like you're on the, a level playing field. When you have a crowd, I mean, I'm sure you've walked into a, an arena, people are cheering for you. They don't know who the fuck the other dude is. Mm-hmm. They're booing him. 
that can fuck up somebody's it morale. Does, man. It you know does, what I'm saying? Because um, to like my first fight, man, it, it, I think it was in front of maybe like three thousand people, which I mean, it's a pretty good amount of people. That's a good amount of people. But I've when I tried to rap, yeah, <laughs> I, I rapped in front of like a thousand people, and I thought it was a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot you of know people. What I'm saying? That's a lot of you fucking know? people. And um, man, it, it's surreal. It's so fast. I always tell people like. I, I don't even remember what happened half the time. Like huh? Yeah, because like one minute you're in the locker room warming up, hitting pads with your coach. The next minute, some guy's saying, "All right, you're up." And then before you know it, your mm. walkout music starts playing. You're walking to the cage and you're looking at this guy. You're like, all right, I guess we're gonna fight. You look at the ref. He says, "You ready? You ready?" And then boom, fight so started. <laughs> just for like a, the average Joe, explain that feeling like coming out of a man. You know what I'm saying? It's, a tunnel, uh, it's wild, man, yeah. because. You know, I'm sitting behind the tunnel. I'm sitting behind. I don't know how many people are here at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm behind a curtain. You know, the guy says, "Hey, I'm gonna let your music play for a little bit." And when I point at you, walk yeah. through, and I was like, "All right." You know, warming up. My coach is telling me my game plan. And he's just telling me, telling me, repeating it over and over. Like, this is what you're gonna do. This is what you're gonna do. And I'm like, all right. What's all right. what's going through your head when you're hearing something? Man, like that? it's. I keep saying it. I'm saying it back to myself because mm. at the point. So this first fight, you know, my first fight at heavyweight. First off took this fight on 10 days notice a little backstory on this fight um, mm. so I was trying to fight at 170 pounds I had three guys tell me no my manager gives me some advice he said hey man you're a big 170 pounder it's an amateur fight let's cut some less weight move up to 185 I said yeah. alright I'll move up to 185 no one wanted to agree to fight me you know and, and a lot of it is because I'm fighting the, the amateur cards, but I'm a purple belt, and, yeah. and I'm a high-level purple belt, and I've won a lot of jiu-jitsu tournaments at this point. You know, I'm, I'm beating brown and black belts. Yeah. So, obviously, some of these guys are still white belts. They don't want to fight me. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. I, I can't disagree with them, you know? Right. They're not so, ready. Yeah, they're not ready. And right. So, move up to 185. A couple guys say no. So, I move up to 205. Like, you know, that's about what I weigh, 210, 220, whatever. And I had one guy say yes. Uh, about a month away, he's backed out due to injury. Oh, so I'm like, sure. all right, whatever. So I'm talking to my manager. He's like, I mean, we'll find something. And uh, one guy texts me on like a Wednesday. The manager's like, hey, I got a fight for you. The guy already said yes. Oh, I'm like, who is he? He says, oh, it's this undefeated Muay Thai fighter. And I'm like, mm, all right, how big is he? Well, the guy tells me he's 6'2", 220. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'll fight him. He was not 6'2", 220. He was 6'3", 290. <sighs> So I was like, uh, all right, whatever. I started watching this guy. Com- oh, it's complete opposite. Complete yeah. opposite. But Holy I, I shit. took I took the fight on ten days notice. Yeah, I'm watching this guy fight. Uh, he had three more tie matches. All ended in the first round. First round knockout. So he's knocking people out left and right, <laughs> left and right. And me being me, I'm like, oh, I'll take him. I'll fight him. He's the first one to say yes. Amateur fight. Signed it. Yeah, right, we'll signed me up, huh? Um, my whole game plan was go in there, jab, jab, take him down. Jab, jab, take him down. Because my thought is my jiu-jitsu is better than his. Mm. And it was. It was. He was a white belt, and he admitted at the end of the fight, we had talked, and he was like, man, you were good on the ground. Because I held him down. 290, he was a big guy. Yeah. And I held him down. Like, you saw me some held these other guys down. I got yeah. on top, and he couldn't get back up. Yeah. Um, he's a good guy, though. A good fighter. He's, he's real solid. He's a big guy. And... uh so I get to the tunnel. Uh, it's funny because, uh, so we're in this, cas- not a casino, we're in a hotel. Mm. And my locker room's on the 16th floor. We're fighting on the first floor. So I'm 16th <laughs> floor, warming up with all these fighters. And I'm in a locker room full of the entire blue side of the corner. So 15 other fighters are in there. 
filled with testosterone. Hitting, hitting, of course. Yeah, just hitting <laughs> mints as hard as they can, you know, rolling, showing off. And I'm like, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I was first fight of the night. So yeah. we're the first fight. Oh, shit. And uh, they said, all right, Ruben, you're up. Ten minutes. So, you know, I have to go down to 16 <laughs> yeah. uh, levels on an elevator. And you're thinking about your... I'm just thinking about my guy. I'm thinking about him the whole time. Right. Like, man, my coach is, is over and over Jab, jab, get him on the cage, take him down. <laughs> jab, jab, get him on the cage, take him down. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And that's exactly what I did. I, I jab, jab, got him on the cage. Just work him. Yeah, huh? and I got him down, and, and I outworked him. I yeah. got the cardio in. I had takedown every round. Every time I took him out, he couldn't get up. Mm. I was just working, you know, my body shots, my head shots. Uh, at one point, I picked him up and slammed him. But um, Damn. back to the walkout, you know, I'm going down these stairs, have my clothes on, you know, I'm just warming up. And I hear my music. Uh, if you if you don't listen to my song, my first walkout song was called "Rise" by State of Mind. It's a great song. Uh, and I hear it come on. I'm like, all right, this is it. And the whole <laughs> time, all I'm thinking of, am I as good as people think I am? Mm. Am I as good? As, like, because this guy is a knockout artist. Like, yeah. I can go in there, dab hands, one punch, I'm done. Yeah, this dude. I think I weighed in at like two twenty eight. Yeah, you know, the dude that weighed me about fifty something pounds. Oh yeah, the dude, you know? the dude, he's a big. He's dude. a Muay Thai fighter, and it's funny you see if you ever watch the fight, you see me walk in the cage. There's a noticeable size difference. Yeah, you can see it, <laughs> and I, that's the whole thing I'm thinking is, can I, can I, can I beat this guy? Like, yeah. can I do it? And it's like this is it. Yeah. I look at the ref. He says, "You good? You good?" And I jab, jab. I put him on the cage, and for half a second, I really think. Fuck! What did I get myself into? I can't take him down. Oh shit! And I start working on the cage, and I hear my coach. He says, "Keep working. I just keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working." All of a sudden, I'm chain wrestling, chain wrestling. Instincts take in, scoop him up, drop him on his head. I'm on top. And then, as soon as we hit the mat, I go, "I got this. <laughs> this, this is it. This is it. It's over." Like first round, I was like, "It's over." And I did. I dominated him for three rounds. Uh, it was easy fight. Uh, I think I had maybe got hit. Twice the whole Damn. fight, you know, I just stayed on top. I worked my ground, and I just showed, you know, I'm not bragging, but I showed him and other people like if you're a white belt, don't get in there with a purple belt, right? Just right. don't do it. So initially, like, um, it doesn't sound like you doubted yourself at all, but like initially, initially, did you hesitate at all, or uh, a little bit? Um, yeah, I did. You always do. It's it's funny because. Even when you spar someone new, I all you almost always hesitate until mm. somebody connects. Okay. As soon as they hit you or you hit them, you're like, oh, this ain't that bad. Right, And then right, you get right. in and instincts take over and then you do what you do. You think gotcha. you get it done or not. You know, but it, it's a surreal moment. You know, yeah. that walk out and it's just like the UFC. You know, it's everything I ever saw. You know, you, you walk out <laughs> to the cage, a ref is waving you and he's cup checking you. He's checking your mouthpiece. He's looking at your hands. He's like, all right. <laughs> dabbing people up and getting the cage and I turn around you know I hug my coaches you know yeah. they say good luck and at that point it's, it's all on you yeah you know and you get in there and you look across the cage and that's all you see and it's funny because there was 3,000 people in that room but all I saw was him yeah I didn't never look out so you, had, you have like this tunnel it, vision. It, is it like this with every fight like the the tunnel vision yeah. aspect yeah I, it pretty much is um except for uh my next fight it wasn't like it was almost like that yeah but um I had the pleasure of having a mr Dustin Poirier corner side on my fight um so I was looking around I was like oh 
that's Dustin Poirier. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing here? <laughs> oh, you know, but we were in Lafayette. He's from Lafayette. The guy who runs my um, my fights is his instructor. Game is talked about. So, you know, obviously he's going to be. There's a couple other UFC fighters there, too. Up and comers from Lafayette. A lot of people come from this area. Yeah. But, you know, that was cool to see. To be like, hey, man. Yeah. You're next. But anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's the dream is, you know, you see people like that. You're like, all right. Yeah. Uh, but fighting, man. When you get into it, you really realize like how close and how far you are from the UFC. Because mm. you're like, man, you're not. Because you start. Because even where I'm at, you know, I'm a high level purple belt. But if you actually start looking at some of these youth fighters, yeah. like uh, Sean O'Malley is a big one he's fighting Saturday. A lot of people don't know he just got his purple belt. Really? So it's not like he's some black belt. It's, cra- it's crazy you say that because I I just watched. So I follow him on my podcast yeah. IG. And I watched, um, he has a highlight, and you know, he's got a nice little stance. He does. He, he connects with this dude's, like, face and just fucking knock them out. And I'm like, damn, this dude, like, he's, he's an animal, dude. Yeah, and you know, he's scrappy. You know, I say that, I'm not knocking his... No, 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 of all. course you know, not, of course not. But well, some people... It's some, nice to have it from that perspective. It is. You know what I'm but saying? But you gotta think, like, it's not always about the rank, it's like, okay, he's a... Or John Jones is a big one. John Jones is one of the best of all time, right? <laughs> right, right. But how many people don't know that he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu? So I'm a higher rank than John Jones is in jiu-jitsu. Now, granted, that is because he is a collegiate wrestler. And wrestling, some people consider wrestling equivalent to a black belt. But the point is, is people aren't that far away. It's more of a, how bad do you want it? Are you right. dedicated? Are you going to cut weight? That That's the thing. And one of the biggest quotes I've ever heard that has stuck with me a long time was actually from Habib. And a reporter asked him one day, what do you have to do to beat Conor McGregor? Straight face, looked at the reporter, and he said, I have to make weight. And oh, she said, said, make weight. And I never understood that until I had to cut weight for the first time. And I realized that weight cut was way harder than my fight. Right. It was way harder than getting in there and fighting someone. Because it's natural. The weight cut is mental, man. Mm. I've explained to some people, which, I mean, I could show you my weight cut, but so... When I fought at 205, I took the fight. I was 238 pounds. I fought at 205. I was 232 pounds the Monday of my fight before Saturday. I was 232. That Friday when I stepped on the scale, I was 205 and a half. What? I went from 232 on a Monday Bruh. to a Friday at 205 and a half. And it, the it dedication, was it was rough, man. It sucked. <laughs> it was, you know, um, so that Wednesday, so I started my big cut on Wednesday, which I want to say I was about 225, 226 Wednesday. So Wednesday, I went into the sauna, yeah. put on a sauna suit, went to the sauna. I sat in the sauna for 30 minutes with a sauna suit on. Yeah. Got out of there, sat in a hot tub with Epsom salt for 30 minutes, got out of there, dried off, weighed myself, and I did that over and over and over God and over damn. again until I hit 205. Actually, for some people, uh, I actually got down to 204, almost 203, and I drank, I was so dehydrated, I drank one water bottle and I gained a pound and a half. God. But I made weight. Yeah, but what I was complimented on when I took that fight is that guy knew I was heavier than him. He yeah. said he felt it. He felt the strength. He felt the power. I was throwing him around. He was like, "Yeah, you cut weight because he had cut from I want to say like two fifteen 
to 205 yeah. and, you know it's just so like impressive and crazy to me because not only are you guys like dedicated to something like that or you're dedicated to something like this but you also have to come home and be a dad mm-hmm. be a family man I, I I have to commend you for that. Dude. <laughs> Thank you. I don't do shit all day, <laughs> you it's know. Rough, and I feel like you know, family. Like I feel that's work in itself, you know. So cutting that much weight and then coming home and like having a conversation with your child, you know, you're fucking exhausted. It's, it's rough. It's you rough know? sometimes, but um, you know, they're into it. They they love the jujitsu. They love the grappling. You know, even our youngest, Kyler and Arya, they're doing class. Yeah. So they understand, you know, they don't understand to the point of me cutting weight, but right. even Madison, they love to go watch me spar. They'll go yeah. sit there and they'll just watch me. They're like, oh, what's daddy doing? You know, yeah. you know, or they'll travel with me. And, and they've been a big help because a lot of families won't do that. No. A lot of people are into not. it like yeah. that. It helps to have a family like this, but you're right. But at the same time, that's a lot of work, man. You know, every time I do come home and it sucks, I'm tired. Seeing them helps because. It's for them. Right. You know, it's a motivation. Because the thing for me is, because I've thought about, like, not fighting. I've thought about, like, do I really want to fight? But every time I train, you know, and I, I go to other gyms, it's like, man, you're too good not to do it. Right. You know, it's just, it comes so naturally. And, it, I mean, I'm not trying to brag about my skills, but that's just the way I see it. No, you've been honest. And honestly, I mean, just from what I know. One of the best in the area, if not oh, the best in the area. I appreciate like, that. Like, yeah, and no, I'm not saying that because you're in front of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm saying that because, like, this is what I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, fuck, I remember um, uh, Mad- Madison, I uh, call her Mads for the listener, <laughs> like, posting about your uh, one of your last fights, dude. And, like, it's like, as soon as she posted it, like, I swear, I, it felt like literally two minutes. Like she was like, "He won the fight." Say, <laughs> "Holy fuck!" Yeah, been, I won a lot of tournaments like that. Um, yeah. So like that, that one you're talking about, I got a belt in there. Uh, it's an absolute tournament. That's the one I think you're talking about, and it's open belt, open weight. Yeah. Whoever shows up fights. You know, oh, anyone shit. from white belt to black belt, from 85 pounds to 285 pounds. You know, yeah. You fight them all, and I think I've won. Six of those, God six damn, of those at bro. this point. Uh, yeah. You know, I have a bunch of medals and stuff in there. And, well, hey, man, I'm glad we're friends. Right, <laughs> me too, buddy. Uh, yeah, but those are the days where I'm like, you know, I gotta keep, I gotta keep doing this. Yeah, because like, most definitely, you know, and it's not even as much as like being in the UFC or Bellator or something like that. It's those skills yeah. that have acquired me to open my gym because Absolutely. I have proof and be like, look, yeah, what I do works. I win, I win medals, but you know that's part of me being a coach because a lot of what I'm doing is I want kids to have that confidence. But also, I, I was talking to a gentleman earlier today. He was signing his kid up today, and I figured he was a cop. And I was like, I'll give you some huge discounts because I want to cater to cops. I want cops in my academy. Absolutely. You know, because it's I've had cops in my old academies, and it's life changing for them. You yeah. know, just to learn. I believe every cop in the country should be a blue belt. Well, I was about to say that I don't want to get too like political, but mm-hmm. I was going to ask like, uh, and this is just off the cuff. Do you feel that like, um, you know, we have all these issues in our country right now with police brutality and everything? Do you think? I think you touched on it last time as well, though. Um, do you think every cop should go through a course? I think I think every sort of I think every police station should either have a legit 
jujitsu instructor mm. or an MMA grappling instructor, grappling instructor, wrestler, jujitsu, whatever right. you want to choose, or sponsor or even have a gym locally that they send their guys to. Mm. You know, because a lot of gyms. It makes a lot of sense. And because if you go to a lot of these gyms, they all offer some kind of discounts to cops. You know, I've even seen some gyms, some big gyms would be like, hey, you can come here for free until you're a blue belt. Yeah. You know, and that's something I hope we get big enough to be able to offer the cops here. Oh, you definitely will. You know? Because, again, those same cops that have come to my academy, they've been twice my size, and I manhandle them because yeah. of jujitsu. It's not because I'm bigger, stronger, or whatever. It's just I know enough yeah. to be able. And that's the thing. It's it's a confidence thing. It's like, yeah. are you confident? Because, like me, like if you tell me, I don't care who it is, you say, hey, go take that random guy down and choke him out. Okay. Yeah. I'll walk over there. I won't hesitate. Yeah. Because I have guys in my academy that are 6'4", 280 pounds. Yeah, and, and, and you don't have to just like in a, like just say you you are a police officer mm-hmm. for right now, right? You don't have to pull out a taser or a gun, right? Exactly. To you know what to I'm saying? To do somebody, right? Don't. And, and that's what I was talking about the cop today because he actually gave me a scenario. He's like, "Hey man, this is what I've been having issues with. This is cuffing somebody when they're in this position, and mm. it took me ten seconds to change his whole life." See, I said, "Do awesome. this, this, and this," and he just. What really? I said, yeah, that's all you got to do, and right. it, like he, it blew his mind. He was like, "That's crazy." I said, well, "Yeah, it's it's mind blowing that." And I mean, I say this for me as well that you know, just some, something that like you know, like something so simple for you, it's just so complicated for us because mm-hmm. we don't know it. And that's what you I'm told like a bunch of my guys because like they roll with me all the time, and they're like, "Man, how are you doing?" I said, "Because for me to wrestle someone." is as fluid as it is for you to walk because yeah. I've been doing it for so long. Right. I've been wrestling for so long and I've traveled the country. I've wrestled the, like I said, Kamar Usman, the best in the world. Oh, but I also wrestled a guy who was his first day. Bro, that's so bad. You know, <laughs> you know and I've wrestled, I've rolled with some big dudes. Like there's yeah. a guy in uh, American Top Team in Beaumont I used to uh, roll. I, I did MMA with him. He was six foot eight, two and nine pounds. You know, that was that was a rough day in the cage. That dude's bigger, than, <laughs> yeah. bigger than LeBron James. Exactly. That's, that's a professional <laughs> basketball player. Yeah. But the thing is, is like I'm confident to go roll around with him. Yeah. Imagine what I'm like when I see someone who's six two two ten. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I got you. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense for it to be a. Uh, like a like a confidence thing. Also, like you said, like a um, a mental thing. Yeah, you is. know, like um, with your gym. I mean, your gym here is fucking. It's cool as shit. I think you guys could like go with this for a long time. But, oh, yeah. but I know you want to expand. You know what I'm saying? Get into a building. Um, what what are the the goals, plans? Like you know, going into the new gym. Man, the goal is to have a little bit more mat space. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a bigger kids class. Um, I'm real big with kids. I, I love the kids class. I want to teach them. Um, and it's for everybody. Like, I have kids in here. I have kids in here that are getting bullied. Yeah. I have kids in here that want to compete. I have kids in here who feel like, I don't want to say that they're useless, but they don't have hobbies because they have older brothers who are stars on the football team. Of course. Or and they feel left out. They're in the shadows. And that's what we're here for. We're here yeah. to show, you know, because whether they're competing or just a little bit more confidence or they just don't want to deal with that bully anymore you know that's kind of who i'm pushing towards i'm pushing towards them and then we want to open more mma classes not exactly really for fighters but even self-defense i have women's self-defense class at the end of the month i believe it's the 29th yeah and it's just teaching them and cops because one of the biggest things i think my dad always said he appreciated about me is when i was in high school 
he let me throw wherever I wanted because he was comfortable that I could protect myself because mm. I was a boxer. Right. Yeah, you know, I need a little bit of jiu-jitsu. And that's what I do with my kids. Like, yeah. I teach them enough to where, like, I don't expect any of my kids to say, hey, I want to be an MMA fighter. Yeah. No, I just want you to know enough to where when you're old enough, I know you can protect yourself. Absolutely. That's that's it. And that, that If that's all anyone ever gets out of my academy, then I'm happy with that. You know, yeah. giving kid something to come and brag about. You know, yeah. like Jaden, like uh, some of you who do know Jaden, he didn't have anything going for him. But for those of you who really know Jaden, he's uh, won third place in four different state Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments. That's you know, right, yeah. the state That's tournament good. at an eight-year-old, yeah. you know, he went from being so scared, almost not wanting to play football because he didn't want to hurt anybody to coming in second and third in a grappling tournament in, this, in the biggest state in the country, one yeah. of the biggest, you know, <laughs> Texas. And, you know, that's, that was a 180 for him, and he enjoyed it, and he got his belt. He's actually the highest uh, belt in my class right now. He's a great yeah. belt. Um, gray, and black, gray and black belt, yeah. And uh, he enjoys that. And ever since he got that belt, he's like, I want to know him. Yeah. Know, I want to know him. And that's that's the journey he's on now. He just wants belts. He wants his belt. And is that how it is? It's just like an addicting. Type. It gets addicting, man. Yeah. Because um, you know, you I always tell people your first few days, man, it sucks because yeah. you're not winning. But then you get you know about two weeks in, you're like, oh, I got a little closer that time. Yeah, oh, I got a little closer. Oh, I finally tapped somebody. Yeah, oh, I can <laughs> I can get good at this. You know, you start tapping people left and right, and you just you fall in love with it. But what people enjoy, I think, the most about it is the cardio because mm. I've got a lot of guys here uh, Ryan Jacob you know they actually started just to lose weight yeah and Jacob's lost a lot of weight you know he's oh well yeah Jacob and also Ryan as well you know I follow these guys on um, Facebook mm-hmm. yeah they're shedding weight they're like shedding weight like crazy like and crazy the thing, and his funny story is um, so Robbie when Jacob first started coming couldn't wrap his legs around Jacob mm. like to wrap into a guard Robbie took some time off because uh, accidentally broke his nose, but that's not part of the story. <laughs> anyway, he took a couple weeks off, and he came back, and now he can fit his legs around Jacob. Yeah. So it was like, oh, Jacob's losing some weight. Yeah. You know, see, this is a funny story. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, is they're losing weight, and people who want to lose weight, they don't want to go run on the track. No. Nah. Like, why would you want to do Just that? Just run in circles all yeah, day. Yeah, run in circles. It fucking boring. It's boring. It sucks. <laughs> no one wants to do it. But yeah. you come in here, you're doing the same amount. It sucks. Like, there's there's days where, like, you get out here gassed and you're tired. Yeah. But well, you feel good. You Kate feel- was telling me about, um, uh, this is Kate Fuller for anyone that doesn't know Kate. Uh, Kate he was telling me about... Three, what is it? Three minutes? Three minutes of pain. It's something that I, I introduced to them. Yeah. And um, what it is, is it's just two people go at a time. So, like, if I if I go in, I have to roll with everyone in the class for three minutes. Mm. And then at the end of that, the next person goes, and he'll roll with everyone in the class for three minutes anyway, with no break in between. And it does a lot. It's it, like three minutes of hell. It does. But <laughs> the, theory, the theory behind it is, like, same me. So... I'm obviously a lot higher than these guys, right? right? But I get six, seven people into that three minutes. Maybe I'm too tired to defend myself. You get gassed up. That's their time to be like, now I can reverse the punishment. Now I can beat you up because you've been beating me up so long. But at the same time, for me, because you get in a fight, you never know. You might be in that situation. Mm. You're gassed. You're tired. What are you going to do? 
Do right. you have the guts to ah, sit up okay. and use your technique and yeah. fight this guy? Because the thing is, is you go by from highest rank to lowest rank. So the more tired I get, the worse the guy is coming in. So right. maybe the first guy, me and him were fresh. He was a brown belt. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little more tired. The next guy's a purple belt. A little more tired. The next guy's a blue belt. Now I'm really tired, and it's a white belt. And it's like, dude, am I going to let this white belt beat me, or am I going to... Right. Get myself together. So it's it's physical, but it's nah, mental. Man, it's fucking mental. mental, dude. Because yes. you never know why That's great, why man. you might be tired. That's Maybe good. you had an adrenaline dump on your fight. Maybe you're in that dog fight like Izzy Adesanya and Kelvin Gaslam did. You're coming to that fifth round. Who wants it more? Yeah. You know? Do you do you really want this? And it takes your ego away because at times there's too many people for you. Like even for me. To defend myself, yeah. and then to me, yeah, I'm tired, yeah, I'm, but I just got tapped by a white belt, yeah, and I have to accept that, right, 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 I, right. and that puts you back in your place where, because I, I, I teach, yeah, just being humble, like don't be scared to be tapped. It doesn't matter what. A thing that me and my instructor like to say, belts are fine. You know, you get your black belt that's cool, but my instructor was was one of my coaches, Tyler Pete. He says it all the time. It don't matter what color that belt is. It only covers two inches of your ass. You've got to cover the rest. <laughs> it don't matter what color, you know? Yeah. And, and it's true, you know? Yeah. It, you have to bring that dog out sometimes. Yeah. You know? Because... Hell yeah. Yeah, today, it's just fighting some white belt in class. Tomorrow, it might be fifth round of a fight. Or maybe you're fighting for your life because you're rolling with some guy on the street. He's trying yeah. to hurt you. You know, you never know. And you need to... I always stress to my guys... Tap in the gym because it's better to tap in the gym than out in the competition. Yeah, out in the because in the real world, a tap I don't want to sound cruel, but that kind of means like you killed the person. Because think about like if you put someone in a rear neck and choke, tapping is just saying, Hey, don't kill me, like let go. (laughs) Yeah, you got it, like you want, yeah, you know. And in the real world, you don't get that luxury, right? Right, you never know when that's gonna happen, but that's something I stress. And and my guys are real good about it because I always. Part of my promotions, it's not all skill. It's who you are. I don't care how good you are. If you're coming to my academy and you're beating people down and you're not helping them get up and you're just trying to be a bully, I'm never going to promote you. I don't care if you're better than me. I don't care if you can tap me or all of my guys. If, if you're going to be not a team player, because that's all my guys do. When new people come in, I don't have to worry about it because they help them. Right. They show them. Because that's what I've done. Yeah, I, I show the, I show my guys this is how you beat me. Yeah, you know because if you can't compete with me, I can't get better. Right. Well, just knowing your character, like um, you know, I, I knew it was just gonna be good vibes, like watching your class. But you know, but just showing up today, even just sitting down and watch, watch witnessing and watching the class. Like you said, every student you have, they were helping each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody helped each other. Because they know it's that. fantastic. They, it makes you want to be a part of it. It does. It's a family. Because, right. you know, me and my wife have traveled the country and gone into the academy. And that's how I've always felt every time I walk into an academy. Like, I, I walked to the academy uh, almost two years ago in uh, South Beach, Florida. Or, not South Beach. Um, Long, what is it? Long Island? No. Long, I don't know. There's a beach in Florida. Anyway. Um, uh, it's not South Beach? Might be South Beach, Panama, not Panama. Florida. I'm sorry, California isn't California. PCB, my isn't California. But anyway, we walked in there. I'm gonna grab one more. 
I'm like, right, that's funky. And, um, <laughs> but we walked into this academy, you know, and, and I called them before I got there because they were in Altos Academy. We were in Altos Academy, and I explained to them, I explained to them, you know, we have the same affiliation, but I'm from Texas. Is it okay if I come train with you guys for the night? I'm here on vacation. And they were all accepting. They were like, yeah, yeah, come in. You know, we'd love to have you. I came in there. The instructor introduced himself to me. He's like, hey, this is what we got going on today. It was like I was a member of their, their family. Yeah. Like, they brought me in. My wife was there. My sister was there. My brother-in-law was there. And they brought us all in. And we're like, hey, y'all can sit here. Do this, do that. These are our guys. They introduced me to some of their guys. And we just started rolling. Yeah. It was like I'd been going there for months. And that's what I like to to show out to people. It's like, hey, this is a family. This isn't... I'm not training your typical, what you think is some killer MMA fighter and, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, or uh, a bunch of assholes just shaved heads trying to beat each other up. That's not what we're trying to do here. Yeah. You know, and it's a family. And uh, we all help each other. And Yeah, it was... It, honestly, it was fantastic. But just going back a little bit to... Um, just like, you know, bully culture, like I'm glad you brought that up because um, um, I don't know if you guys listened to it or not yet, but uh, my episode, my last episode with Mariah, she um, she was bullied in elementary. Now Mariah, she um, she turns to skateboarding, right? And she moved off. She's from Little Cypress. She moved off to California, started like a girl skateboarding movement. Now she's 100,000 followers That's great. on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? And it, it all stemmed from getting bullied. Mm-hmm. She turned to something. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, you having these kids just turn to, like, MMA, not only is it a brotherhood, but it's an outlet. You know what I'm saying? And it can also, I mean, say that kid wants to grow up to be a cop. Mm-hmm. Now he knows what to do exactly. to subdue a person. He does. You know? It's fantastic, man. Yeah. It's a it's a lifestyle. Um, I just told... Uh, and they're, eventually they'll be one of my sponsors. Uh, I'm making that uh, an official announcement now. Uh, <laughs> um, Ro- Royal Liquors, <laughs> but you know we uh, we just talked about it today. You know, like um, you know, just a, a part of uh, MMA and everything. Muay Thai, man, it's a whole fucking lifestyle. You know, and it's something I want to be- become a part of. Not just Muay Thai, but just like you know everything you guys got going. So I told you, man, I'm gonna definitely um, be joining the gym and be joining. You know, you guys, you know, as a as a family. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it changes people. Um, I mean, I don't know if I was going to bring up, but a lot of things that I've seen, or a lot of questions I get asked is, uh, like, just me and Jacob being in class. Yeah. And like, it's a lifestyle, you know? Yeah. I, I think it changed a lot of both of us, but I don't... Uh, how, how can I say this? I don't hold who you were or what happened right. if you want to come learn the art I'm going to show you and I'm going to show you that it's not you know it's not just an art it's a lifestyle like you right. said you know there's a personality that comes with it and there's a style and it's great like it's helped yeah. the family and it helps everyone do because we all do it I do it Jacob does it Jaden Aria Kyler and they all love it Yeah, you know it's made them all better you yeah. know and um it's crazy though, cause like it can, it's a lifestyle, but it's like it doesn't change who the individual is. If exactly. that if that makes sense, it's a it's a lifestyle that you know you if you're into MMA and like Muay Thai and all these things like you know, um, uh, Jiu Jitsu or any of those things, you know, uh, karate, whatever it is, um, you know, you can still be who you are, 
but you can still pursue that, and it won't like this won't dictate right who you are and as you know, an it's individual. Funny what some of these guys, yeah, it does. Some of these guys, what they've enjoyed the most out of this MMA training is they now understand MMA fights. They understand what happens when they go to the ground because there's a lot of people that don't. They don't understand how hard that is. They don't understand. Well, it's funny you say that. Just watching y'all's class today, um, you know, just watching the steps to Kimura today. I'm like, holy fuck! I didn't even. I, there's a lot. I never thought about going, it. There's a you know, lot. You know, watching going. the UFC yeah. fight is full force. You know, mm-hmm. full speed. So you never really think about it. But watching today, I'm like, damn! Like watching you and watching Chance like drive your shoulder. You know, I was like, holy fuck! Like because you can see it in a whole different world. Because you see, like, uh, well, shout out to Chance Storm and he came to our academy today. Brown belt from Conroe Gracie. You know, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, he is great today. But if you watch like me and him roll, and then you watch Cade roll or Jacob, like yeah. you can see like, oh, there's levels to this. Oh, like, for sure. Well, and you know, I know you. I I know Chance. Uh, Reagan Sonia was one of my best friends growing right. up. So him and Chance are really tight. Right. You know? So I know Chance. Um, and just watching you know, like uh, Jacob was sitting next to me. I was like, I looked at him. He looked at me. I was like, bro, holy fuck, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Yeah, because yeah. y'all were going like. I, I guess I'd say like eighty percent, maybe half speed. Uh, but you could tell there was levels to the, there's mm-hmm. levels to this shit, man. It was nice to like see watching some. Like I said, it's like watching them play chess with their body because you'll see them going, yeah. and all of a sudden you don't understand it. But all of a sudden that guy slows down. It's like I don't like that. He starts backtracking, and you're like, wait a minute, why are you backtracking? Because he saw yeah. something he didn't like, or he's hitting the submission, <laughs> doing this or doing that. And you're like, oh, there's a lot going on right here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, it was cool. It was cool, bro, for sure. Um, well, man, I'm definitely I'm ready for the gym to be. Uh, 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 the gym is open, oh, you yeah, know, but right. I'm ready for the new spot. Do you have any announcements? I know you don't want to give away too much right now, but you have any announcements or anything you want to let anybody know about? We're looking to come to the gym by the end of the month, so just be ready for some announcements. So when we get there, we've got a couple things we gotta, you know get down uh kids classes free all of august so bring your kids tuesdays cool. thursdays six o'clock it's a special we're running um we're gonna start running specials for police officers first responders anyone who i feel can use it um, yeah because i actually have some uh guys who work in the beaumont baptist psych ward mm. and they have benefited tremendously off of these little Jews because they they also have to subdue people. They have crazy people for sure, and people that they can't hurt because they're in there getting medical treatment and they yeah. have to know what to do. But anyone coming in for that, you know, you work at the jail, whatever. Please come in, give us a call. We're running a lot of specials on that. Um, that's about it, man. I have some great guys at the academy. Uh, we can't wait to open up that new building. <laughs> and just for people that don't know, like. Um... You know, just the name of you guys' brand and everything. Like, how can they find you? What's the name Wolf, of your brand? Uh, we're Wolf Den MMA. Uh, we have a website. <laughs> yeah, we have a website. Uh, uh, com. Check us out. We also have an Instagram, a Facebook. Just search Wolf Den MMA. Um, some people have asked me why Wolf Den. And I'll say, I guess I'll say, I've never really said it. But to me, I've always chosen Wolf Den because in my mind, the wolf is the most powerful animal in the animal kingdom. Mm. How do you feel about that? Honestly, um, if you I, were to pick a top dog, who would you pick? I'd, I'd pick a wolf, but at the same time, like um, just like I said, just knowing you, your nature, you know, what I'm saying from what I know about you, and just watching 
honestly, just watching you guys today, you guys are a family. I know wolves work in packs. They do. You know what I'm saying? So watching like you, I mean, you're you could be a fucking lone wolf. You're, like, you're a bad, you're a badass. I'm not just saying that because you're in front of me. I'd say that to anybody. You can ask Kate. Any, I don't know who it is. That. I'll tell anybody that. But wolves work in packs, and I mean, you're you know you're definitely leading the pack. But like you know, you guys all work together. We you do, know? And, that, and that's how that's how I train my guy. I, I train all my guys to lead the pack the same way because yeah. the, the the thought process is. With a wolf, alpha leads the pack. If you can prove to me that you're alpha, you can lead the pack. That's, that's how exactly. it works. You yeah. know, be the so alpha of your family. That that name is just so appropriate. It works. You know what I'm saying? It definitely works. That from the name to the the logo. The day I saw I the it. logo, I was like, holy fuck! <laughs> this is. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I was like, I need all those shirts. This is. I it, need the buddy. fucking hats. I need the trucker hats though. Oh yeah, oh, big ass head. Some trucker hats. Uh, <laughs> we got we got a new. Uh, New people doing our merchandise. We had some problems with our first one, but as soon as we get that, we found rolling, some good people though. Oh yeah, we found some cool. good people now. As soon as we start rolling out some shirts and geese and hoodies and hats, tank tops, all that stuff. Um, but I was asking because I think for some people who want to argue that the wolf is not the most powerful animal in the king animal kingdom, I will leave y'all with this: I have never seen a wolf perform in a circus. So take. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, I mean, you know, you're my brother, man. Oh, yeah. You're oh, my yeah. brother in this. I appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, I appreciate, it. you know, I appreciate you inviting me to your home. So Always, always welcome. Yeah, man. Goodbye, everybody. I